We've been going through a series on the armor of God calling Forward. We're going to be moving forward in our faith. And this morning we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. We're just going to look at one piece of the armor this morning. But before I do that, let's um, ask God to bless his time in his word. Heavenly Father God, we do thank you for the opportunity just to join you in worshiping you. Lord, we thank you that you are good to us. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you gave us life. Lord, we thank you for our, our moms. So God, I pray that you would continue to just to strengthen us in you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you remove any distractions from the room right now. Open us, our hearts up to your word. God, I pray that you would help us to be able to have on the helmet of salvation and have the hope that's available to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 13 through 18. It says this, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. This morning, we're going to look at the helmet of salvation. There's a major legal battle going on right now with 4,000 former NFL players who are feeling like and are suing the NFL because they don't feel like they were protected from the long-term effects and consequences of concussions. And a concussion is an injury of a soft structure as the brain resulting from a blow or violent shaking. And here's some of the symptoms of a concussion. Concussions cause temporary loss of brain function. It leads to cognitive, physical, and emotional symptoms, such as confusion, vomiting, headaches, nausea, depression, disturbed sleep, moodiness, and amnesia. All from not having your head properly protected and covered. Mike Duvick, when he was in high school, his senior year, um, he painted for me a football helmet, a sandwich football helmet. He turned it into a Chicago Bears helmet. I was going to bring it in here with me, and I left it in my office. But it's in my office. You can see it. It's cool. I love it. Um, it's up there. It reminds me of him, and it's a helmet. And I've been in the church, though, up in the attic, which we have over the toddler room, and even me, at five foot six, hit my head when I'm standing up there. And I don't have my helmet on, and it hurts. Helmets are made for us to protect us. And this morning, Paul is telling the people in Ephesians, as he's making this metaphor for the Christian life, how to understand the gospel, how to apply the gospel to our lives, how to get the full benefits of the gospel. He says you have to have the helmet of salvation on, because if you don't, Satan wants to strike you. He wants to hit you. He wants to cause you to have spiritual confusion, spiritual headaches, spiritual nausea, spiritual depression. He wants to disturb your sleep. He wants you to have spiritual moodiness. He wants you to, to have a spiritual concussion and worse. 
He wants to destroy your life with a shot to the head. So that's why Paul says, Christians, take up the helmet of salvation. But what is the helmet of salvation? He literally is the helmet, which is salvation. What Paul's talking about is salvation. The helmet that we're supposed to put on is salvation. What does it mean to be saved? Salvation means to be rescued from a peril. But here's the problem for a lot of people, and maybe even for you as a believer. The problem is that there's a misunderstanding. To understand salvation, you have to move it back to what do we have to be saved from? What is it we are being saved from? The Bible says we need to be saved from sin and all its effect. Sin is separation from God and all the effects that it has from that. There are, there are great effects from sin. We see them all the time. It's not just the sin. It's just we need to be freed from all the lasting effects of that sin. Sin is living independently of God. It's rebellion. It's saying, I can live life the way I want to live it. And then doing that and then suffering the constant effects that just flow out of that decision. And if you don't know that you need to be rescued from sin, you're never going to see the need for salvation. You won't see the need to put this helmet on. The Bible talks about being saved, though, in three different ways. And often when you hear saved, salvation, for a lot of us, we, we, the question is, hey, when did you get saved? When, when were you saved? Uh, we talk about it as, like it's the past tense, like something that happened to us in the past, which it is that. But that's not the only way the Bible talks about salvation. The Bible talks about being saved or salvation in Three distinct ways. There's this, the sense of being saved in the past. Saved from the penalty of sin. The fact that you are guilty before God. And His wrath will come down on all of those who stand guilty before God unless they're saved. There's a point in time when the wrath of God has been removed from us. You are saved. That's justification. But the Bible talks about another type of saved. Which is a present sense type of saved. In Philippians 2, it talks about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You say, what, what's that mean? I thought I was saved in the past. What's it mean I'm supposed to work out my own salvation? The Bible talks about this present salvation that's taking place in all those who are believers, where we are being freed from the power of sin. There's a point in time in justification where you are freed from the penalty of sin, but now we are being saved. We are being freed from the power of sin. That's our sanctification. But there's another way the Bible talks about salvation. And it's a future tense. In Romans 5, verse 10, It says this, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, so much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. There's a future sense. There is going to be a time when we will be freed from the complete presence of sin. That's our glorification. So we are saved in the past. We are being saved now. We are not fully saved. We will be saved one day as a Christian. We'll get a new body. We'll have new relational abilities. We'll, we'll be able to understand and see things that we could 
no ability right now to understand or to see. That's the hope of salvation. That's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6. The helmet of salvation is the hope that we have in salvation. It's not just some past tense thing. It's not just the past. It is your present, and even more so, it is your future. That's our hope that you have. And Paul says, if you don't have this helmet of salvation on, you will be crushed. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. This came out very clearly this week, if you saw the news at all. If you saw anything out of Cleveland this week, People are talking about the hope of salvation. Three young women who were kidnapped and for 10 years held hostages, held in bondage in a second-story house. And on Monday night, one of them saw a way to be saved. And so she kicks the door down and she screams out for help. Help me, help me, I need help, I need, I need rescue. I can't get out by myself. And someone comes and helps break down the rest of the door, and she's saved. And now she's gone, they've gone home, they're healthy, but they will be with their family. And what does the news talk about? They were, in a sense, healed on Monday. But now they'll spend time being healed in, the, in this process of getting back to their normal life. And the world talks about it. Sometimes they use the word healed, though. We say it's, it's almost the same thing, though. It's we're saved, we're rescued. We were rescued in a point in time. We are being rescued. We're overcoming the presence of sin in our life. We're, we're getting away from the bondage. We're freeing ourselves. One of the girls did not even want to sleep upstairs in her room. She wanted to be, she still had to be shaken, and, and she still needs to be freed. And saved from the bondage, even though she's not in it anymore, the whole family slept on the first floor. That's what sanctification is. It's this process of realizing who we are in Christ and being freed from that. And knowing that one day we will be completely freed. And we will be completely rescued. That's the hope of salvation. That's what Paul's talking about. This hope of salvation. This great confidence that we can have. Do you have that? How is it obtained? Paul says, take it. How do you get this hope of salvation? There's many people, if I asked you in this room and all across the Route 34 corridor, hey, would you like to go to heaven? Most people in the Midwest would say, yeah, I'd like to go to heaven. They want to go. That's their hope. Yeah, I hope I get there. That's a presumptuous hope that the most of the people we know live in. But there's another way. There's another group of people. If I'd ask them, hey, are you going to go to heaven? Do you, do you hope that you'll be saved someday? And they would say, yeah, I know enough about my life and about the Bible. I'm enough to be honest that I'm not quite perfect yet. I know that some things in my life aren't right, so I'm a little bit flawed. So because I'm a little bit flawed, my hope is that I'm going to take my flaws, but I'm a really good person. So I'm going to do a lot of really good things. And my hope is that at the end of the day, my good things will outweigh my bad things. And I, and I hope that I will make it to heaven. The first idea of just going to heaven, the hope of it, that's just a presumptuous hope. 
the other hope, thinking that you could do something to earn it, do enough good things. That's, that's, the Bible says that's a self-righteous hope. That's not the hope that we have. The Christian has a completely different hope. That's why Paul says, take this helmet, this unbelievably protective shield over your head and over your face. Because you don't have to wonder, do I, did I do enough good things? Am I going to make it? The hope that the Christian has is absolutely solid. It's secure. It's reality. Christian hope, though, it's, it's discovered. And Test yourself this morning. Do you really have the helmet of salvation? Do you really have Christian hope? The hope of salvation. Here's how Christian hope is discovered and known. The, first, the person who has Christian hope, who has real, true salvation, the first thing is that person has seen his lost condition and he's been trembled by it. Was there a time in your life when you saw yourself Guilty before God. When you realize that I cannot meet up to God's standard. I'm not good enough on my own. I need help outside myself. I'm kicking on the screen door of life and it's not opening up. And I can't open it. And I see that I'm not going to be able to open it. I need help and I see Jesus. And it scares you and it scares you. And you realize, wait a second, something's not right. I need help. You saw your lost condition. You saw your sin. And you trembled. Has that happened? Then that person sees that rescue is available. You saw your need. And then you saw that Jesus was the answer to that need. That Jesus did come. He did die on the cross for your sins personally. And you ran to the cross and you turned. And you said, I'm going to follow Jesus' way. A Christian has done that. He saw his sin and he's trembled. And he saw the hope of Jesus and he's turned. And then he realized, you know what? Though my sins, as the Bible says, are as scarlet, they are White as snow. And he's trusting in that alone. You say, I, I saw that I'm a sinner and it, I trembled. I saw Jesus was my hope and I turned. And now, even as I look at the rest of my life and I see my failings, I see that I'm not exactly perfect. I'm not trying to still earn my favor with God. I'm just trusting that Jesus did it all for me. That his righteousness is my righteousness. I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb. I'm covered by the cross. And you're trusting in that alone. That's Christian hope. But there's more. A sinner does not delight in his sin, but he delights in God. He's been transformed. Is that true of your life? Where you say, you know what? It's not that I just like Jesus and I want him to be with me in my car. He's my buddy. I want him traveling around because if something goes bad, at least I can always go to Jesus. That's not, that's not Christian hope. A Christian has seen his sin and he's trembled. A Christian has seen Jesus and the rescue available and he's turned. A Christian still sees his sin and he says, I can't earn it, so I'm just going to trust in Jesus who is my righteousness. And I don't like sin anymore. I don't want to keep following my way anymore. 
I sin, but I don't like it. I fight against it, and I wonder where it's, why it's still dragging me down, but I want to be transformed by it. That's a Christian. That's salvation. That's what happens when the life of God goes into the soul of a man. They see, they tremble at their sin. They turn and see Jesus. They trust that he will carry them through. And their life is transformed. They're becoming more like Jesus. Is that the hope that you have? That's Christianity. That's following Jesus. If that's not you, you say, well, I like Jesus, Paul, but I still kind of like sin, and I think it's okay for me to sin. Listen, that's not Christianity. That's not following Jesus. A Christian does sin. A Christian does struggle. But that struggle is a struggle that he hates. He fights against it. He gets sucked in. He gets knocked down. But he says, this is not what I want. I want Jesus. I want my life to be different. I want to follow this path. That's Christianity. That's the hope of salvation. Is that the hope of salvation that you have? Is that the hope of salvation that you desire? Because if you say, I'm not sure I got that, but I desire that. I believe Jesus can transform my life. I see what the mess I'm in. I see how it's not working out for me, but I want Jesus. This morning, if that's your desire, right now you can say, Jesus, rescue me and give your life over to him. That's the helmet of salvation. Paul is talking to Christians in Ephesians 6. He's not saying, hey, I gave you a bunch of armor. No, by the way, become a Christian. He's saying, because you're a Christian, now put on the helmet of salvation, the helmet which is the hope of salvation, that one day you will be transformed and you will look like Jesus. That's our hope. How does the helmet of salvation help us if you got it? Paul uses all kinds of metaphors. Talk about the Christian life, understanding the gospel, how to understand and live out the gospel in your life, how to be who you are as a Christian. If that's your hope, he's saying, listen, this is how you be who you are. This is how you become what Jesus wants you to be. You put on the armor of God because you have an enemy. And when the Roman soldiers would put their helmets on, they'd have the big shields, they'd put their helmets on, they're made out of brass, they'd have leather on them. It was to protect their head. They had some cheek guards. Because the enemy had a big broad sword, not just a little sword. They, they carried those, but then they had a very broad sword, a two-edged sword that they would take with both hands. And if they saw the enemy's head, they would come down and boom, try to split their head open. And if you did not have your helmet on, you would be destroyed. And Satan wants to do that for Christians. If you don't have the helmet of salvation on, if you're not living in the hope of salvation, which is the helmet of salvation, Satan's going to take his big broad sword and he constantly wants to take that double-edged sword and he wants to hit you and he hits you and he hits you. He's attacking you. And the two sides of that sword often are discouragement and doubt. The helmet of salvation The hope that we have of salvation is for us when Satan comes to hit us, make us think, mess with our minds. He wants to hit you with discouragement, and he wants to hit you with doubt. And the helmet protects you by preparing you for that conflict. He wants wants to get you to believe, hey, really? Really, did you just hear what Paul said a Christian was? Paul said it was a Christian who who trembled at his sin. Did you really ever tremble at your sin? Really? 
Have you ever really turned to Jesus? Really? Are you really trusting in Jesus for your righteousness? Are you sure you're not trying to earn some favor with God? Uh, really? You, you hate sin? Did you just not hear that he said you're supposed to hate sin? I just saw what you did last night. I know what you're like at work. You're not a Christian, and Satan wants to hit you with these doubts. And then he wants to get you discouraged. Following God is not the path to go. Look, people who follow God have all kinds of problems. Look at them. That's where you want to spend your life? Don't do that. And he wants to hit you with doubt and discouragement, and he wants to crush your head. But the hope of salvation, the helmet protects you by giving you confidence. No soldier was going to go out to battle without his helmet. But if he had his helmet on, he would know that he was protected. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says this. Paul said, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. If we endure, we also will reign with him. That's the hope of salvation, Paul says. I'm going to go through life. Satan's going to try to hit me with doubt. He tries to hit me with discouragement. I feel it. It hits me. But the hope of salvation is I will endure because I know the promise that I have. I will be transformed. I'll be like Jesus one day. So the helmet of salvation in your life, Christian, helps you when the doubt comes. It helps you when the discouragement comes. It gives you confidence to say, I am a follower of Jesus. I am rescued. I am alive in Christ. And it sustains you in the conflict. Because if you're a Christian, you will get hit. Sometimes the hits stumble you, don't they? You're fighting, you're fighting. Guy comes up with a sword, whacks you in the head. There are times when you shake like a cartoon. (gasps) Knocks the wind out of you. You don't know, are you going to make it? If it wasn't for the helmet, you would be crushed. But the hope of salvation... It sustains you when you get the hit so that you can persevere. We are such wimps, really, spiritually. When you read the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11, maybe I am, maybe you're not. I should have said that collectively. I am such a wimp spiritually. When I read Hebrews chapter 11 and all these people of faith who were torn asunder, they were famished, they lived in famine, they starved, they were hungry. Yet they persevered to the end. How do people do that? How do young men in their 20s, in the late 1800s, see an island filled with lepers and they're followers of Jesus and they say, the best thing for us to do with my life is to leave our families and go join the leper colony knowing that we will never come back so that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. How is that possible that people would see that? That is the helmet of salvation. That's the hope of the gospel, that they know. They know that they are secure, that heaven waits for them. They will be 
glorified. They will have much greater glory to come. Salvation is still to come. And they risk it. The helmet protects you. It gives you confidence. It sustains you in the conflict. Billy Graham is in his late 90s. And he had a great friend named George Templeton who was actually a better speaker than Billy Graham. was more articulate than Billy Graham. He used to travel around with Billy Graham and they would do conferences in the 1940s. But then Templeton started to believe some stuff about Bible that wasn't true. He started believing that God wasn't real, that there wasn't a creation, that God didn't exist. And he spent the rest of his life, he walked away from the faith. And in 2001, he passed away. But before he passed away, he did an interview. And he was talking to Lee Strobel about Christianity and about faith. And Templeton said to Lee Strobel, as he started to talk, Lee Strobel says, I was amazed when he started to talk about Jesus. Templeton said Jesus is the greatest person that ever existed. He's the greatest human being that ever lived. The way he lived his life, the way he did everything, Jesus was the best. And Lee Strobel was taken back by it. Because there was a guy who spent the rest of his life against Christianity and against Jesus. And yet, here at the end of his life, he's talking very tenderly and very kindly about Jesus. And he got emotional, Lee Strobel says. And Templeton said, I believe Jesus was the greatest person that ever existed. But he wouldn't believe. He still didn't believe. And what he said to Lee Strobel was, I miss Jesus. He didn't have the helmet of salvation, and he missed him. You don't have to miss Jesus. You don't have to miss Jesus. Jesus says, hey, I'm here for you. I'll rescue you. Turn my life over to you. I'll transform your life. You will go through difficulty. You will suffer. But take the helmet of salvation. It will give you confidence that there is a greater day coming. And I'm telling you, you'll get hit. You'll stumble. You'll feel like the helmet's not there sometimes. But the helmet will protect you. It's the hope of our salvation. It will sustain you in conflict. First Timothy 1.9 says, Holding faith and a good conscience by rejoicing. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Don't do that. Do you know the blows that Satan wants to hit with you? Are you starting to buy the lies that these doubts that he's hitting you with are real? Are you discouraged? Do you think God's not with you anymore? It's not true. What you need to do is take up the helmet of salvation, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Do you have the helmet of salvation? You say, I think I do. I look like everybody else in this room. But do you really have it? Are you holding on to it? Are you like the ten virgins in Matthew 25 who looked like everybody else, but when the bridegroom came, they had nothing. Are you really wearing, having, holding on to the helmet of salvation? It sustains you. It gives you confidence. It's our hope. How do you put on, though, this helmet of salvation? How do we live this out? How do we understand this? This is the hope that we have in the gospel, that we can protect our heads when Satan comes with doubt, when he comes with discouragement, that we know we can make it through. How do you put it on? It is, first of all, a gift. 
The salvation is received by faith. It's a grace that God gives us. It's a gift. Someone said, you'll believe that you know better than God does and conclude that you're okay? Or you'll accept, you'll, or you'll accept his diagnosis and seek his grace? Unless you know you're in need of rescue, you'll never put the helmet on. But if you know you need rescue, you will take the helmet. It's received by faith. By, it's a gift of God by grace to us. But it's also put on by responding forward in faith. You know it's on when Satan's hitting you with doubt, discouragement, frustration, all these things, and he's trying to take your head off, and you're mentally, you're struggling, you're thinking, how is all this going to work out? I don't understand God, and so maybe you're not there. No. The helmet is lived out by responding forward in faith. It's by taking risk. It's by resisting Satan and sin, and it's rejoicing in the hope that we have. If you asked me if I had a life psalm, I would say it's Psalm 73. If you ever talk to me about any problem, you'll probably hear me talk to you about Psalm 73. Psalm 73, I think, is exactly what it means to put on the helmet of salvation and live in the midst of doubt and discouragement and overcome the hope of salvation. Psalm 73 is about Asaph, and he starts out, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. I've been almost hit so hard in the head that now my body almost broke through this, he says. Because I'm looking around at the world, and those who don't follow God seem to have it going well for them, and those who do follow God seem to have it very hard for them. I don't understand this. And he's about ready to get clobbered by doubt and discouragement. He's about ready to abandon the faith. But then in verse 17, it's like all of a sudden, he puts on the helmet of salvation. It says in verse 16, but when I thought how to understand this, his mind was being attacked. When I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. But then in verse 17, he says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end. And he got it. And it goes on to say, Truly, you set them in slippery places. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast to you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me. It is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. That's the helmet of salvation. That says when life gets really tough, I'll tell the story and I'll be done. I was supposed to preach here almost six years ago on a Sunday night. 
And I was going to preach on, this is when Psalm 73 became my chapter. I was preaching that Sunday night already planned in the sovereign hand of God on Psalm 73. I'd been studying it, preparing for it, and that week, my dad got diagnosed with cancer. And that Thursday, when I found out, I went over there and I read Psalm 73 to him. And through that next few years, and obviously as time has gone on, that has been my chapter. It's the promise that for those who don't know Jesus, this is the worst, it, this is the best it will be, ever be. But for those of us who do know Jesus, who have the hope of salvation, this is the worst it will ever be. But there will be a day coming when all wrongs will be made right, everything that you lost will be restored to you. All things will be made new. That's the hope. That's the confidence that we have. But if you don't have that, if you don't put that on, if you don't believe it, if you don't hold on to that hope that is sure, when Satan comes and says, cancer, when Satan comes and says miscarriage, or when Satan comes and says rebellion, or when Satan comes and says you're fired, when all those things come, you will crumble and Satan will destroy your life. And so Paul says, Christian, put on the helmet of salvation. It is our hope. So risk with your life. Step out and risk, resist sin, and rejoice because this is the worst it's ever going to be. One day, everything will be made new forever so we can rejoice in that hope. Have you put on? Do you have on the helmet of salvation? Is it helping you risk for Jesus Christ? Is it helping you resist sin? Is it helping you rejoice in the midst of unbelievable difficulty? It's possible because of Jesus Christ. God is our refuge. And for me and for you, it is good to be near our God. Put on the helmet of salvation and rejoice in the hope of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And that he is saving you and he will save you one day perfectly where all wrongs will be made right. That's the hope that we have as believers in Christ. Let's pray.